This is The Great Equalizer, a parenting podcast about the realities of being a mom or dad in modern Josie. We are your hosts, Sam and Charlene, and we believe we're all rocking the same kind of crazy. So let's get real, let's get honest, and let's have a laugh about the ups and downs of our current upside down. Hashtag no judges. On this bonus episode of The Great Equalizer, Sam is flying solo, but I call in Genevieve Putter of The New Normal to keep me company and to chat about the week that was. Hello. Shoo, that felt very lonely and scary. <laughs> I'm here by myself, guys. Charlene um, is off on a jet plane and probably not going to come back um, based on the current situation in South Africa, which I'm going to get to in a bit. <laughs> so um, I've got no one to ask me how I am, but you'll hear all about it. Uh, so how are you? How are you guys? Um, I, I feel like not all of us always check in with ourselves. So take that moment now to just feel all the feels, friends. Um, personally, I'm tired. I know you guys know the feeling. It's a it's a fatigue that's a little bit um, heavier this week, I think. For those listeners who are out of the loop of what's happening in South Africa, uh, we have a lot of international listeners. Um, hi, guys. Uh, most of us living here in SA um, have had a week from hell, to put it lightly. I have to urge you that uh, if this is your first time listening to, to The Great Equalizer, stop. Turn around, choose another episode. We've got plenty of amazing, funny, uh, light-hearted ones to choose from. Go back to Maintenance Night. Uh, we talk about sex. It's really funny um, and enlightening. Go to... to Maintenance Night 2.0, that's another one. Uh, We have a good laugh. Even the boob juice episode where I have a fat cry, we have a good laugh in in that as well. (laughs) Um, Baker's Day, Baker's Day is a nice light-hearted one. Go, 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 go choose that Um, because this discussion today, I feel like it's going to scare you away from the Great Equalizer forever. But the conversation is necessary very, very necessary, and I think um, I think I owe it to our, our loyal listeners uh, to have it. So, guys, you know, for those of you who are loyal listeners, you know what we're normally about, and I want you to sit down, get yourself a cup of tea or a cup of coffee, and join the conversation, and I want you to know this. Uh, we at The Great Equalizer, we see you, uh, we salute you, and under these circumstances, you're all doing an amazing job. So what are we talking about here? Let's touch base on, on what this week from hell was. So as a parent, um, it, it hit me right in the feels. <laughs> on Monday, most of us firstly woke up to the news that a six-year-old little girl, Amy Lee Diaga, had been snatched from her mother's arms by four men in a Fortuna outside her school. Her little brother was in the car, and I can I, I just for a brief moment put my myself in this woman's shoes, and I thought, what the fuck do I do? You, um, I can't run and leave my my other kid, and you're helpless. 
what do you do? You drive after this Fortuna. That that's a, it's a hopeless case. Do you run and leave you leave your other child in the car? Like, and I mean, it is. It's it's a hopeless case. I think we've all imagined it, and and it, it, our blood runs cold. But this happened to this woman. And look, the story's developed. Um, Amy Lee was found. In the early hours of Tuesday morning, the police have done a fabulous job, and I just I just have to say that. <laughs> yeah, the police of Funabale Park um, intimidated these criminals, and I, I don't want to go into sort of who the culprits are. You guys can do your own reading in that because there's so much else to talk about. But uh, the police did a great job, and I think we have to give kudos where kudos is due. But we all put ourselves in Amy Lee's mom's um, shoes that day on Monday. And um, it's not the first kidnapping story of the year, <laughs> funnily enough. Um, there's, there's so many, many kids missing and so many instances of... We, we all fear for, um, you know, about human trafficking. It's just a conversation that, that's a go-to in, in this country, and it's disgusting. I, I, I can't believe we're in this position Moving on, though, <laughs> later on Monday, um, you know, it comes to light that um, missing UCT student Uyaneni Mruyatana was raped and bludgeoned to death by an employee of the South African Post Office who confessed with a really disgusting confession as well. Um, this Uyaneni went to... <laughs> to the post office to collect a package was um, told by this man that the power is out, which is um, an everyday occurrence in South Africa as well, and and asked to come back later. And when she did, she was accosted by this man, um, raped, and her body dumped somewhere. What also comes to light on Monday, uh, many of us learn that local boxing champion uh, Leandre Yechos was shot and killed um, uh, by her boyfriend, who happens to be a South African police officer. That happened over the weekend. And so it began. More and more stories um, like these came to light. UWC theology student Jessie Hess and her grandfather were found murdered in their home also on Monday. 14-year-old Yannicka Mallow was found raped with her head bashed in, in her grandmother's backyard. No arrests have been made um, yet, as far as I know, but community members indicated to the police that they knew who the culprits were, that they lived among them, and then they needed to look into that. Um, and last month, 30-year-old Megan Kramer was found dead, her hands tied up and a restraint around her neck, no obvious motive um, for this crime, but of course, is one really needed? I mean, God, what what are we living in? What's become our, our norm? These stories, guys, and many, many more came pouring out of every nook and cranny of South Africa. There was an outcry of women from all walks of life exclaiming, me too, and asking, am I next? And worse, wondering, is my child next? Besides this... <laughs> This is where I just like mind blown. Besides all of that, those close to us, our helpers, our colleagues, our friends, were affected by a renewed wave of xenophobic riots in the country's CBDs, 
businesses looted, bodies burned, you name it. If ever there was a shit show of the week, uh, this was it. Does it? I think it was a good week for Charlene to have chosen to piss off, pour herself a cocktail, and switch off. I I very nearly messaged her and told her, just don't fucking come back. It's it's a sad place to be, for me especially. I'm proudly South African, uh, very, very proudly. Guys, it, it was just way, way, way too much for me to handle. Um, I just, I couldn't bother Charlene. I, um, you know, I didn't know what to do with, with the podcast, so I took an executive decision. Charlene did say, do what you need to do. You know, I trust you. Um, and we had another episode scheduled. Um, we, we wanted to, to sort of carry on with our regular programming from this week. We've had a break um, and we wanted to come back with a bang. And I mean, I never thought it would be this. <laughs> I just, I, f- I couldn't run with what we had scheduled because I couldn't ignore what had happened. We had to say something as the great equalizer, but I was numb. I was anxious. I mean, anxious to say the, the least. And I, I didn't know, quite know what to say. Um, I just wanted to bury my head in the sand. I wanted to switch my phone off and be with my child. Many of you, I see, kept your your kids home from school and just held them a little tighter. I I get that. I get that. And I never thought I'd be so sentimental and, um, you know, feeling all the feels and just uh, I thought I'd be more logical. But, I mean, there's no logic in this, is there? So, um yeah, I, I, I thought that I'd use the, the Great Equalizer platform to not only inform, but to be a sounding board, to be a mirror for the society, but the weight of it, I mean, it's so heavy. On the show, we, we normally address really big, um, important situations um, with humour, uh, because if we don't laugh at ourselves in this parenting gig, then we're going to cry, right? But these things that have surfaced over this week, they're no laughing matter. Um, there was no comedic spin on this whatsoever. And that's that's tricky for me because I'm the one who makes an inappropriate joke at every turn. But there's, there's no space for inappropriate jokes here. So I'm sure Charlene um, will agree it was important for the great equalizer to give this situation the gravitas it deserves um so to save me um from uh, monologuing at you for an hour i had to call in some reinforcements stay tuned guys my guest today is really more of a co-host firstly because i'm deathly afraid that in the absence of charlene i'll be outed as the vanilla individual that i am and you'll stop listening to me Secondly, I'm not as smart as I think I am, so I've called in some backup, much more intelligent than myself, to help me steer this very important conversation. Genevieve Putter is a mother and a postpartum doula in training who aims to give much-needed one-on-one support to new mothers. Dovetailing with this, Jen is the founder of one of my favorite Instagram platforms called The New Normal, and has also launched a series of activations for new mothers called Oh Baby, What the Fuck? Uh, with Cape Town-based psychologist Carly Abramovitz. 
What's really resonated with me is that Jen's experience as a first-time mom was a lot like my own. Jen suffered panic attacks and depression after having her son three years ago. The shock of the upside-down, as we like to call it, was real. And Jen realized that there was a dire need for some real talk about new motherhood, a.k.a. the new normal, which is how her platform was born. But let's hear all about it from the founder herself. Welcome, Jen. Hi, Sam. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for joining me. I'm so grateful to have you on. I I don't think my listeners wanted to hear me drone on and on and on uh, forever. Um, So I'm I'm happy to have you as my partner in crime for this week, but you're still a guest on this show. So um, while we're about to hit some heavy topics today, I first want to hear a little uh, more about you. Who calls you mom? <laughs> so, um, who calls me mom is my gorgeous, fiery little Aries boy by the name of Benson. And mm-hmm. um, he was born three and a half years ago. And yeah, we are very much kind of um, coming out of the, we came out of the, the terrible twos about six months ago. And we are balls deep in the, the three major <laughs> um Period, which is be very entertaining, I must say, as well as as well as hectic. Yeah, a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny though because you know, as as hectic as every phase is, um, it, like it gets more hectic, but it also gets more um, joyous. You know, so it's it's quite an interesting dynamic. But yeah, but that's who calls me mum. I'm so oh, and I've also got two 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 little fur doggies that call me mum too. Oh, and <laughs> what are their names? Hank and Peaches. Oh my lord! Okay, next time yeah. I need, need to name anything in my house. I'm coming to you first. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Jen. I just I love the new normal. You are yes. my favorite Instagram platform. Um, oh wow! I'm Thank so you. I've learned so much. Uh, just giving a name to things that I feel. You know, I've learned about oh, the perinatal oh. journey, uh, matrosance. If I'm saying that right, I've just. I felt seen as a as a new mom. I don't know if I can still call myself a new mom, but I, I feel it every day. Um, yeah. But it's it's what you've accomplished is everything that I can hope for and more for my own platform. Um, and oh, I just wow. I I love the new normal. So I, I want you to relay your story to to our listeners. Tell us mm-hmm. about how this got started. Okay. So first things first, I just want to say. You might not think that you're a new mom, but one thing I have learned is once you cross over that threshold, you are always in postpartum. Yeah. <laughs> always, <Yeah>. no matter <laughs> how old your kids are. Like, that's it, you know. But so, um, Sam, thank you so much for the wonderful words. I really, really appreciate it. And yeah, and I just, it makes me, it makes me kind of um, remember why this work is so important. So I'm, I'm really, I'm really thankful for your wonderful words um, and for following and for being so engaged. You know, mm. the whole point of the new normal um, is really to do exactly what what you have said is to to kind of I wouldn't say educate, but to patronizing. It's more to kind of inform and to provide alternatives to. Um, the kind of most popular narratives of motherhood, you know, um, and to make exactly make moms feel seen and to feel affirmed and to feel like, you know, 
everything they're going through is exactly that. It's normal. This is the biggest life change um, you're ever bound to go through, you know, and it cannot be just a one-sided um, experience of, of joy and of, you know, and like, you know, motherhood is the best thing that's happened to me, you know. It, it cannot be that when it's the biggest life change. There's a whole range of other emotions that come with it that our society and our culture chooses not to to talk about, you know, which yeah. is that it is, you know, it's incredibly um, panic-inducing. Um, you worry all the time. You, you know, you kind of, um, there's a whole bunch of emotions, like, you know, mourning your old life. And, you know, not having the freedom to do the things that you've done before, you know, to pop out, you know, for a drink at six o'clock to meet your friends for work, you know, that stuff doesn't happen when you're in the thick of it with a baby and an infant and even a toddler, you know. So that basically is, is kind of the crux of what it's, what it's all about. And um, how it started was, was, um, my son was born, as I said, two and a half years ago, and I kind of went into went into it kind of oblivious to to a lot, you know. And I mean, I'm always always reflecting on, you know, what if I knew then what I know now, how different things might have been for me, you know. But basically, what happened was um, the first two or three months I was in it and things were cool. I was, um, you know, I was breastfeeding, that was going well. My son was generally really an awesome kid, you know, and no real health problems or complications. Of course, there was a little bit of the colicky stuff, but I think it's just it's, it's, it's yeah, kind of, of the course. pretty standard. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and probably at around two, two and a half months postpartum, I had also done um, placenta encapsulation, which I'm not sure if you know. I actually did it myself. Know. Yeah, you did. I hey? did. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, and I would I would recommend it to to every new mom. I mean, it sounds quite hectic, but you know, most, um, in fact, all mammals in um, nature actually do kind of consume their placenta <laughs> in some way, <laughs> which sounds hectic. A but freaky conversation. Kind of yeah. About it. Sure. But basically, um, one of the things that, and the reason why I would recommend it to any new mom is that, you know, the, the placenta is a, is a hormone making and machine and it is packed with nutrients, packed with iron, packed with the B12s, um, because it's your body grew it to sustain your baby. And it is all of the vital stuff that basically gets depleted from you postpartum. So um, when I, got the capsules done and I will had them every day and they ran out at two and a half months. Mm-hmm. And during those two and a half months, you know, I had so much energy, my mood was great, I was feeling like I was nailing it, you know. Um, which is exactly the point of why it's recommended to to do it. Um and then they just they the the the, the capsules finished and that's when things started to shift dramatically. It was like the worst come down of my life. <laughs> And I couldn't understand what was happening. And for about a month, I just started to feel this overwhelming sense of um, despair. Um, I was very tearful. I was very emotional a lot of the time. And I kind of kept thinking, at the time, um, stranger things, the 
the series on Netflix came out, the first season, and, and we, we were watching it, which probably wasn't the best idea at the time, <laughs> but we did anyway. And, you know, it was exactly, I felt like I was living it. I felt like I was living in the Upside, in the down. upside like, down. And that's what we call yeah. new motherhood on the show for exactly that reason. Because yeah. I think you exactly. and I hit hit that newborn stage at more or less the same time, to be honest. Oh, really? And oh, I, so I think yeah. I was also into the Stranger Things yeah. and I was just like, this is yeah. it. That, that's what it feels Completely. like, which is so morbid. Because, <laughs> I mean, it, it, it looks like your life and it looks like, you know, all the, 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 the characters and like the, right. the, the, the places are there, but it's got this very dark shadow hanging over it. And it just, there's just absolutely no light and no joy. And, this kind of progressed, and then by the time three and a half months came around postpartum, um, there were a couple of things that contributed, I think, to my eventual unraveling. But I experienced a panic disorder episode that lasted for about uh, 48 hours, 36 mm. hours before we actually went to get help. And that was as a result of, you know, I'm a freelancer, and so I work from home, mm. and um like you know we were kind of we were things were quite tough um economically for us at the time and so i needed to get back into work and i hadn't been working for for, for probably four or five months and that kind of you know that anxiety around getting back into it but needing not being quite ready but needing to do it was just all too much i also got a little bit of a cold as well and you try to change and um, Benson's kind of sleeping arrangements. He had been sleeping with us um, in bed up until that point, and we wanted to move him to the bassinet and eventually into his room. And that whole combination of things just basically flipped me out, and I, I, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat for 48 hours. Every time I tried to rest, I mean, Benson at that stage, he was, he was sleeping pretty well. I mean, he was waking up for his, the usual kind of um, – night feeds maybe twice throughout the night you know yeah but he which was pretty good going you know and I just was not able to switch off and to relax I was overcome with adrenaline I felt like literally that fight or flight mode all the time and and it was just the most intense intense time of my life and so eventually after the second night um, that morning, like feeling completely obliterated from not being able to sleep for two nights, um, my husband said to me, right, we have to go to the doctor. And so we went to the GP and um, she actually um, prescribed, it was a Friday, so I couldn't get an appointment with a psychiatrist um, that day. So I had to wait for the following week. And um, the GP just prescribed a short dose of Exynol and as well as some tranquilizers to kind of get through until I got the appointment, which I did. And when I went to go see the psychiatrist, she basically was just so lovely and comforting and said, my darling, this is so normal what you're going through. And I kind of was just, you know, I felt so angry and I felt so um, let down when she said that to me because I was like, what do you mean this is normal? Like, is it normal to feel like your your world is coming to an end? Like, and why the is, fuck you know, did nobody and, tell me? Exactly. Yeah. And, I mean, we went to the antenatal classes. We kind of, and, you know, in the antenatal class, it kind of spoke about postpartum depression, um, only postpartum depression. And we spoke about it probably for, we had about a five, ten minute discussion about it in the, the six week 
antenatal class, we spoke about it for five or ten minutes. And the way it was storied was that it's actually not that common. You know, like these are some of the symptoms, so you've got to watch out for it. But, you know, like one in ten moms actually get it pretty bad. They didn't distinguish between the fact that the statistics are actually one in ten moms get the psychosis. And that's the kind of the vision of the, you know, the, the mother kind of like a zombie you know, like that's completely needs to be hospitalized, you know, and like yeah, that where she's a danger to her baby, essentially. Exactly. Yeah. That is the narrative and that is the picture that they painted of what postpartum depression looks like, but it's absolutely not. That is the psychosis, which is one in 10. Postpartum depression and anxiety disorders affect one in three women in mm. South Africa. I can believe so that, it, yeah. 30% of women, you know, one in every third mother or person or, or mother that you meet has experienced it to some degree, you know. And then, of course, um, you know, after that, I, you know, it took, it took a while. I went on to medication and it took a while for, for me to kind of find my, my levels with it. Um, and probably, you know, everyone was like, Oh, every time I would be vulnerable about it and speak to people about what I was going through, the, the, the first retort I would get is like, Oh, my darling, it's so normal though. I went through that. So and so went through that. Just take the meds. You'll be fine. You know, in, in a month's time, you won't even know. And I just kept thinking this kind of, this burning like thing inside of me kept thinking, what do you mean it's normal? You know, and yeah. why is no one talking about it if it's so normal as everyone expects, you know? So. That kind of was when the seed got planted. Um, but of course, I needed to get, I needed to really heal myself and focus on myself before anything could really actualize. You know? So I went on the meds and I think in total, I was probably, I was on them for about 18 months um, before I, yeah, so I weaned off, I started to wean down um, about a year afterwards after I went on them. And I took a very, very slow wean down um, over six months. And I eventually came off and I've been off them now for a year and a half. And it has been the most unbelievable journey because I've learned so much. I mean, I've always been quite into sort of health and wellness and, and um, nutrition and that kind of thing. But so much of what I've learned on this journey is how, you know, things like depression cannot be looked at in isolation. Yes, there's a genetic right. component and there's a circumstantial component. But, you know, like things like gut health, for example, you know, like it, it, the research now is showing. In fact, there's a psychiatrist that I'm going to be doing a talk with um, in the next month or so who is in the evangelical about um, functional medicine and psychiatry. So, yes, of course, using medication, but also addressing things like, what you're eating, what is your gut function doing, you know, and like what supplements are you taking to help yourself, you know. So, um, well, Jane, you know has, what? This is yeah. this is why I love you. This is why <laughs> you just everything you say. I'm just like yes, 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 and yeah, I just feel totally. I'm not mad. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, I I feel like our stories um, sort of parallel in so many amazing ways, and I, I think what. What happened this week for me was yeah. on on looking at um, everything. I mean, so let's be honest. Social media kind of just exploded this week. Completely, um, absolutely. And I was I was numb. I was mummified. Mm. I was completely like, I don't know what the fuck to say. I'm a humorous like platform. Show mm-hmm. we like deal mm. with 
with um, very real issues. But I'm like, I try and make light of it because, you know, we have to laugh at ourselves. And I was just like, I don't know what to say because you can't laugh at this. And then I saw what you were posting on the new normal. And I thought, mm. this woman always says what I'm thinking and what's on my mind. And that's why <laughs> that's why you're here. This is oh, thanks. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. Charlene, so let's talk about this week. Because sh- I think, and also, like, you know, just to say, you know, I, I obviously had some kind of a, um, what you call it, an existential dilemma oh, this look. week because I was thinking, you know, yes, everything that I do about the new normal is all about motherhood and it's all about, like, mental health and, 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 and just holistic health and, you know, like, and things like, you know, um, right. you know, self-care and blah, blah, blah. And then, and then like I start getting all political up yeah. in here on the page and, and I realize that, you know, so the, the, so the, the training that I'm doing, I'm, I'm, I'm currently, I've finished the local training as a postpartum doula. And now I'm doing an international training with an amazing organization called Innate Traditions. And she's the woman um, is based. She's based out of New Mexico in the States. And um, she's been a midwife for about 20, 20 odd years. And she's put together this incredible online course. And there's women from, there's 60 of us, I think. There are about 60 out of us that meet every week on Zoom from all over the world to have our talks and our lectures with this woman, right? And the biggest thing or the message that's coming through in all of this training is that things like postpartum depression and anxiety disorders, they are as a result of how society has failed women and mothers. Um, Because we do not know our culture, our our kind of ways of living, especially in a modernist setting, um, do not support motherhood. And you see this mm-hmm. every single day with things like, you know, um, the struggles that women have um, to breastfeed in public, for mm. example. And just in going uh, back to work and not well, being supported, you know. Yeah. Maternity leave, you know. <sighs> I mean, in South Africa, you know, the, the, the law is um, women are entitled to four months maternity leave Unpaid, unpaid, yeah. With the with the promise of their job back after four months. Who in this economy can actually afford to not work right. for four months and mm. not get paid? Right. Mm. So you know, if you think about your journey, I mean, I know for me, my my unraveling only happened at four months. You know, like four months when a child is four months old. Like you know, everyone speaks about the four month sleep progression. You know, and now a new mom <laughs> is expected. To pull to go back to together, work. get mm. to work at the office at eight thirty. Come back at five, you know, with like minimal sleep. You know, no, like our culture does not support motherhood in yes. any way. You yeah. know, and and then of course the decisions on childcare and and how you know, like so you got to go back to work to earn money so you can pay someone to look after your child every day. You know, I mean, it's just this this contradictory and conflicting. Um, and it's impossible so, and I think I think what's happened is that so much more has unraveled and been unpacked this week in this context that we're just like well, this is wait this is and this is how we operate what and I and I have to say everything that you've ever said in the past and this week about anxiety I just feel like okay, I, I'm, this is normal for me to feel the way that I'm feeling. For I, I wasn't able to function come Tuesday. And then I, when, I, when I saw what you were posting, I was just like, but 
that's why Why? we're not we're not supported so okay jen let me let me get into sort of charlene and i always ask each other how are you so so let me ask you at the end of this week how are you because i'm an anxious weepy mess uh, and i and i feel like i'm not alone so and you're not and you know i I think if you had to have asked me that question you know um yesterday morning or on on wednesday it would have been very different to what i'm going to say now okay (laughs) so um because you were at the march to parliament yes um, yeah. In Cape Town yesterday, all of us Joe Burgers were kind of just yeah. uh, wishing that we could be there. We we have some so marches planned here in in Santon, but I don't know if we're going to be able to emulate that. I just before yeah. before you say how it was, I want to mm. take a snippet from the New Normals um, uh, video footage of yesterday and just uh, sure. br- bring our listeners into that moment. So just hold fast yes. for me here, Jane. Representative from the office of the president. I ask you to remain peaceful because the president himself is coming here today. It would appear that we have not loud enough on Parliament's door because they have sent a call and they are fetching Sir Ramaphosa. Okay, so what what yeah. happened essentially? Tell us, a, <laughs> tell us about yesterday. Okay, so as I said, if if you would have asked me that the question how I am yesterday morning or on Wednesday, it would have been very different. I I feel like this past week I have slipped down this rabbit hole and and I've taken a lot of the new normal followers with me. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I have to kind of flip that, and you know. As women, like, you know, we're so, we, we, we feel the things, you know, all the things. And, you know, especially as mothers. And, you know, a few of the, I've got um, a couple of uh, uh, new moms that I've been working with that have literally had um, their babies in the last uh, month. Oh um, and I've been visiting them. And, I mean, I've, I've been, they have been, I've, in my mind, this whole week thinking of, you know, like they've got to obviously focus and take care and rest and look after the baby. But how can you do that when everything around you is just burning, mm. you know? And and I don't think that that ever changes. And, you know, like yesterday was why I say things felt different um, today. So, so let's just fill our question. listeners in there. Yesterday was sure. um, like sort of the official um, pe- peaceful march um, yes. of a gathering of women, to, to put it mildly. I mean, you were what? Um, how well, many people strong? So this is this is what was so amazing and why I feel really different waking up this morning is that it wasn't just women. There were ah. so many men there. There were so many amazing. young men there. And, and also it was such a cross-section of South African society that picked up yesterday. And that was was why I felt okay. All right, this is good. Like you know, think something, something's got to shift. You know, mm-hmm. and then of course the fact that that um, Ramsey himself picked up to accept the memorandum and not some you know kind of cabinet minister or like you know Western Cape Premier or whatever right. the case is. The president himself came. You know, like for me, that's 
just was it, it was just a really really um auspicious moment and and Jen, you know, how did his words make you feel? Like, what did he say? What was the bottom line? What was the crux? Was there any hope so, after that? You know, it's such a personal thing, and it's such a you know, I've I've always been a huge fan of of Phil Ramaphosa. You know, like I, I really, really believe that out of all of the politicians currently like out there, he is the only one that can really shift stuff and. Mm. You know the the thing. I, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm I've obviously got quite an interest in politics, you know, and I know that he he was groomed for this role, and he he's in he's in this, obviously an incredibly astute businessman, and that is that is the the world and the game that he knows, and he plays a strategic game, you know, and it's the, his biggest biggest criticism right now is that he's playing this long game. And this quite this like thing of quiet diplomacy, which is not what is needed right now, and right. that is why people are really frustrated and upset with him on all levels. Whether it's to do with you know like um, you know the more like you know uh, what's going on with um, you know politics in this country, like with the the Zondo Commission, and why people are not getting jailed, and why he's not actually taking a stand, and you know, and I and I think that. I just my feeling yesterday was that he is the only one that really does get it, you know, whether or not and how long it's going to take for him to make the change will be up to up to you know time will tell. But I do believe there is the sense of urgency and what he was talking about. And if you saw the other clip, but he basically said that everything in the memorandum that was handed to him are stuff and all kind of issues and things that they are currently addressing and putting stuff in place. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a law expert. I don't know how long it takes for these sort of things to actually be implemented into, yeah. you know, like judicial law and criminal law, you know. Well, but I think it's actually, it's years, you know. It's a, it's a long, well, it's a long whole process. We don't, we don't know. And I mean, I was speaking to my sister-in-law about it and she was like, yeah, but, you know, you look at a country like New Zealand, the prime minister makes a change, she stands for something and it's action that week, you know. Yes. I'm like, yeah, the problem, the difference is is that South Africa, we've got such a diverse, like, cultural narrative, you know. You can't, one person can't just go and, like, you know, decide to change the law and it's done kind of a thing. Our constitution doesn't allow for that, you know. And, and obviously questions of whether our constitution even works have come up because of this whole thing. Mm. Like why it takes so long for shit to happen because it's got to go through so many layers and levels of like approval or whatever the case is, you know. But I mean, to get back to your question, how I was feeling after yesterday was a lot more positive and a lot more like breathing slightly easier, you know. And I also think that there's, you know, that there's such a kind of a sense of camaraderie and, and sisterhood amongst women in, in I, I don't know about Durban, but in Cape Town. Like, you know, when I, when I went to, when I went to Woolies the other day and to one of the other shops, every single woman that I was speaking to, you just couldn't stop talking about strangers, you know? Like, I mean, one of the women that works at the, the wellness warehouse that, that I went to, she was telling me that, that she lives in the same area as, um, Lucania, what is his name? Lucania, Buerta, the murderer of yeah. Um, Nene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was telling me the story that he's a Jehovah's Witness and her dad is a Jehovah's Witness. Yeah, just a constant churchgoer, apparently. Oh my God. Yeah, and like, and like telling me the stories about what happened on the night before, I don't know if you know, but the night before, I think it was on Tuesday night, 
um, like a mob came to his house and burned his burned house it down. down. Yeah. And then she was saying that, you know, his parents live in, you know, like one of the, the sites in Kailita and they got a tip off that this was going to happen. So they moved out all of his furniture and took it to their house. And then the next night, the mob descended on the parents of this guy's house, tried to burn it, but the police were already there. You know, and know it's that. like people like, you know, there's these like stories that we're sharing and telling each other and it's like support. It's like, this is just so fucked up, yeah. you know? And, and that for me is always the, the positive in situations and terrible times like this is that like we really do like drop all of our kind of our, our shit our and divisions and our, yeah. feel each other, you yeah. know, and that for me and especially women, like we, you know, we've always done that. Like my whole thing is that, you know, with the new normal, like, you know, really creating the shared experience of motherhood is something that only women can talk about because we're the only ones that it happens to, you know, like growing a baby and birthing a baby and, and, you know, like, yes, of course, dads help with the raising, but like, it's such a unique and like incredible experience, you know, and, and it's the same with, with, with anything to do with, I guess, our kind of, dare I say, like our, what can I call it? Um, you know, rape and, 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 and assault and, and, Stuff like this, being you know, at the other end of gender-based violence, we can all—all exactly. all of us have some degree of exactly. a, a hashtag Me Too story, right? And then, Completely. so that's we've had some really, really big discussions this week, and I mean, as uh, social media would have it, of course, many, many hashtags. And ironically, for me, this happened. Yeah. This all came to this uh, um, humongous head at the end of Women's Month. <laughs> and we Isn't it ironic? it's yeah. so ironic the great equalizer also like i i didn't kind of want um for it to be in this context but i mm. i discussed my rage at at celebrating women's day as a public holiday and not acknowledging mm. that all important march in 1956 where women came together and i was just like i was saying to charlene when has this ever happened um mm. in our lifetime mm. and then it mm. happened not even a month later, month and I, later, I can't so actually believe it. I that I'm saying and, this, and this is why, and this is what is what what I think was well, for two reasons why yesterday was another not like another thing that like that really impacted me. It was firstly, um, like exact exactly that. Like it was the biggest black march and turnout I think Cape Town has seen in a very very. Do you know long how time. many people I mean, were there, Jen? I think it was about five thousand people Crazy, were there. Which yeah. I mean, look, isn't isn't that like no, like but I mean, in today's stadium, day and age, it's like... You know, and it goes to show that people are, like, this issue has galvanized mm. what is thought to be an apathetic, um, like, uh, youth and, and an apathetic um, kind of, like, like you know, a, a city as well. Like, how often do you hear, oh, Capetonians are so non-committal, you know, like, they're so <laughs> exactly. kind of like... You know, whatever. Like, just shoot the breeze. You can never make a proper plan. Like, look at what happened yesterday, you know? And it's just, it made me realize that, like, we, things are changing, you know? I think we have to take this stuff in politics and, and, and get involved seriously, you know? Like, it's, uh, like, our lives depend on it. 
Well, we, I mean, we're all wondering, and here's, here's where we've had the fight of the hashtag this week. The hashtag mm. am I, started with am I next, and then mm. enough is enough. And, mm. I mean, another debate came in that, um, you know, men are trash versus not all mm. men are trash. All, mm. all hashtags that were kind of, of battling. So mm. what would you say? I mean, we need to come away, f- not come away from this. We need to kind of, we've dealt with this all now in my mind. We, mm. but let's move on. So what's mm. what's the ne- next hashtag for you? What what do we need to get away <laughs> with? Here? I don't know. I don't know if it's um, if it's as simplistic as that. Hey, like mm. I mean, for me, what I do know is that I can guarantee you now that every single woman last night or during the day at some point in well, I, I mean, every single woman. That's a huge thing. But I think many a woman in a relationship or you know married or whatever has big big chats with their partners around what all of this has meant and what it means for for men as well. I mean, my, my husband and I are constantly in conversation about this and, 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 you know, the whole thing of, you know, men are trash and all of that. I'm telling and that is what is important. I think, I think women, last night I felt, I felt kind of this feeling that, you know, I'm not the only one that is having these deep conversations with my husband, who is my partner, who is a man. Yeah. You know, like yeah. no, you're right. And I think, I think that is that is something to think about as well, and and to do at home. You know, like we've got to we've got to we've got to get men in on this, man. Like this this is this is a fight for all of us, you know. And then of course there's the whole thing, which is something that I'm obviously incredibly passionate about, is um. You know, how do we, how do we raise our sons? Because that is where it starts at home. I think it's a two-pronged approach. I think there's this um, kind of systemic, um, not systemic, that's the wrong word, systematic top-down approach from government and legislature, which um, Cyril is now, like, you know, he, he, he has committed to making a change. But it also comes from a bottom-up approach, you know, that we... Um, in our in our homes, in our families, we've got to do better for our sons in particular. You know, fathers have to show up more. You know, they can't leave the child rearing exclusively up to to mothers. They have yeah. to show examples of of positive masculinity and not this toxic kind. You and know? our language is so important. I mean, I've I've been having that mm. conversation with my husband, who who is very sensitive to. The man bashing that happens among the rise of feminists in today's day and age. Mm. I mean, we all mm. talk about the patriarchy and that. And he comes to me and says, like, he's a white male in South Africa. And he's just, mm. he's automatically a um, a perpetrator. And he hates that. Mm. He hates yeah. having that target on his back. And I feel yeah. for him. And I, I've always tried to guide our discussions on The Great Equalizer around that sensitivity. But at this totally. week, he's the one who said to me, but Sam... It's it's men who are doing this, and um, yeah, the problem is me. My husband. The problem is me. Like, the problem is me. It's it's you know, and it's like there was a know, different mindset change this week. I, I completely. Yeah. And I mean, I, I also think you know we've also got to look at how we got here. You know, I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that you know, like violence in South Africa has been here since before we were South Africa, you know, like through colonialism, through everything and, and, and instituted through apartheid, you know, like it's just, we cannot, we, we've got to, we really, really have to consider um, the kind of distress of masculinity in South Africa because it is, there is 
that I'm not a therapist. A therapist talks about yeah, which is which is the 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 or let me say there are no kind of common alternatives that are very kind of culturally accepted except the toxic ones. Right. And that's a problem. You know, yes of course for, for more kind of liberal minded people, you know, you we, we kind of still but but even so it's still so ingrained that we don't like even us people who are fathers who consider themselves liberal and you know not like that they don't even have they they can't even see um the the nuances of where it starts right there was i mean there was that amazing meme um doing the rounds as well of um the pyramid like kind of mimicking um, maslow's hierarchy of needs but Mm -hmm. but the, the title was rape culture and so it starts at the very bottom of like, you know, um, jokes about women, um, you know, kind of is at the bottom. And then at the top, it's actual sexual assault and rape, you know. So there's this huge kind of thing, but those, those little nuances of, you know, um, you know, like, uh, oh, boys don't cry, my darling, you know, come wipe your tears kind of a thing. Mm. That's where it starts. That's the nuance that needs to start shifting, you know, with our boys. Yeah, okay, here I found it. I mean, things as innocent as girls should stay at home, victim blaming, locker room banter, mm-hmm. unequal pay, boys will be boys, and it all and that's the bottom of the pyramid, and it goes up to sexual coercion, groping, then rape, oh. violence, molestation, murder, gang rape. I mean, starting with normalization, going to degradation, removal mm-hmm. of autonomy, and then explicit violence. It all leads. So that's, I love this, and I love <coughs> the thought that. We re- we're retraining our brains as a society. So I wanted to come but away you know, from... Sam, I just wanted one more point quickly, mm. which I think is important, is that I, I think that we also need to be very aware that as women, we are complicit as well. Absolutely. In very, very subtle nuances. When you hear, you know, like, you know, like, you know, boys, you know, oh, boys will be boys, you know, like, you know, or, you know, toughen up, my darling, you know, it's going to be okay kind of a thing. You know, women also are responsible for those subtle nuances, you know, and sometimes we aren't conscious of it because it's such a common narrative, right? Right, yeah. So it's not just, obviously, you know, men, of course, are, are bearing, you know, they, they are the ones that really need to step up here and, and, and help us shift it. But, you know, I suppose as mothers as well, you know, we've got to be very conscious of, of the, that narrative as well, you know, because that, that's the tragedy of patriarchy is that, you know, it, it infects all of us and women are complicit in it as well. You know, now things, of course, as we saw yesterday, we're, 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 you know, we're getting woke and stuff, but I'm talking about the very small and unconscious things, you know. Well, in much the same way, I feel that, um, you know, we all, I, I feel like our generation grew up, especially in South Africa, um, we had to retrain our brain to look at people of color as our as our equals because growing the generation before us grew up in an apartheid society that villainized people of color, mm. right? Where it was mm. a crime mm. to have a relationship with a person of color, even so. Sure. So not only that, but we were traversing a um, coming out of the eighties. We were traversing a, a society that villainized uh, homosexuals, and we so our our we grew. I, I mean, I feel like. Um, my parents were very actively trying to change um, our way of thinking in terms of mm. the liberal parents, that is, um, sure. in terms of people of color and homosexuals. It's gone even further. 
and now we have mm. the the rise of the LGBTQ movement, where you sure. you're looking at that whole spectrum, and in that, we're also looking at the subtleties of our language. There's mm. so much mm. awareness that is taking well, place today. Completely, because I mean, when like language is how we communicate, right? Mm. And it's mes- essentially it's, it's like a subconscious messaging, you know. So mm. like the language and the meaning of these words and these kind of things that we, we say and do to our children has to be b- like broken open and, and relooked, you know, and we've got to change. Mm. Jen, so a, a discussion you and I had this week and you sent me an article by Marion uh, Tam that I, I, hope to, I hope to share with our, um, our listeners. Um, but I, I feel like one am, am, amazing discussion that and realization that was held this week um, was that as South Africans um, and South African women, we take Mm. safety precautions that we have Mm. daily for granted. The fact that I I really, I went out with my son several times this week and was aware of how I'm watching my back constantly. Mm. Just in, Mm. I had his pram out, he's broken his leg, so he's in his pram again. And I was, oh, it's been a pain in the ass. But um, so I put him, so I put him in the car and then I've got to leave him in the car and go mm. around to the boot and put his pram in and mm. I'm on high alert. High alert. Right? Um, yeah. In going for a run, I'm very aware mm. of who I run past. I, I rounded sure. a corner, the one, um, you know, on my route and behind me was a, a homeless man and I thought, okay, can I outrun him if he were to, mm. to run after me and are there cars around me? Just subtle, mm. subtle thoughts and there's been a discussion around this this like normalization mm. of a s- basically low key, constant low key anxiety, always, sure, almost sure. like we're living in a constant s- state of of PTSD. And I just I realized how sick it is. How mm. I mean, this is just this is not right. And I think all no, of us are kind of not going, normal. It's not no- This is not normal. Mm-hmm. And um, the sad thing is that there's so much talk of immigration and are we doing the right thing mm. for, for mm. our families? And I think that is that is what's laid heavy on all of our hearts. So on The Great Equalizer, we had a poll of, you know, where I, I discussed yes, sort of, are, I you, that, are you thinking yeah. about um, immigrating? Is the grass greener mm. on the other side? Is this a question that you're asking? And almost mm. everyone said yes. And almost uh, there were a lot of people that came um that responded and said that they hadn't thought about it before, but mm, now, but now they, they have. Yeah. Well, so this is the thing, and this is why it's, um, I felt so unbelievably emotional this week as well, is that, I mean, I've always, you know, like when it comes to things of um, immigrating for fear, you know, like it mm. just does not make sense to me. It never has, right? And like this week, I myself was thinking, you know, like, Honestly, like this, uh, the thing, the, the tipping point for me, which really like spun me out, was when I um, listened to the Pippa Hudson show on Cape Talk um, on Tuesday afternoon. When she was, she opened a talk almost in tears, and she just said, "What has what has slipped her is the government's initial tweet um, and statement regarding all of this because." Um, Nene's uh, uh, murderer was, you know, we, we had all heard the, 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 the graphic detail of how he described what happened, right? And so the government then put out this tweet. And the tweet 
basically, I want to, I don't know if you, let me just see if I can find it to read it out to you because it's absolutely harrowing. And that was what actually got me thinking. The fact that government is saying this thing that is just so far removed from what needs to be said is what makes me depressed and what makes me think, is there any hope here in South Africa for us? Um, oh, here we go. I've got it. it. Yeah, it said violence and women against uh, violence and abuse against women have no place in our society. Is that it? Government yes. is calling on Carry women on. to speak out and not allow themselves to become victims by keeping quiet. Women who speak out are able to act, effect change, and help others. Right, and so now we all know the problem with that, right? Is that it's making it woman's responsibility to not get raped as opposed to the fact that men are the ones responsible for rape, right? Right. And that was what pushed me over the edge to think that this is the message that's coming from our government, that women need to take responsibility for not getting raped. I mean, it's just, it absolutely blows my mind. It's the Mm. passive voice and it's kind of like, it's, you know, and I kind of, I, I, I went quite into it, like, um, in my rant the next day or that day, I think it was, um, about why this is so problematic. And then, of course, what the government then did, they then deleted that tweet and they then got a whole bunch of new tweets that came up. And clearly it was a woman <laughs> yeah. that they got on board to tweet because, I mean, if you read the, the difference in tweets, it's just, it's just astounding, you yeah. know, so they, and, and it just, it kind of, it just made me realize is that, you know, like the, the patriarchy is right, man. And it's even government and cannot, cannot see the problem with sending out a tweet like that. Then we're all fucked, basically, you know. And that was what got me thinking. Like, our children deserve better. Like, how can we live in a place where this is a messaging? It's like archaic, mm. you know. Mm. So, um, but that whole thing of, um, I've also, I mean, I was inundated with people. I, I mean, I did a story deck on Tuesday when this whole thing broke and, you know, people saying that they, for the first time as well, they're thinking seriously about leaving and like they're realizing. And, you know, another thing as well, you know, as moms, and you can relate, like who have experienced um, an anxiety disorder as a result of, you know, um, postpartum and the, you know, the transition to, to matrescence, you know, we like anything can really spark it off again, you know? And I know like for me, a lot of what I went through was there was also like circumstantial stuff and the worry about, you know, like safety and security all the freaking time, man. Like, you know, I, I walk around my house with um, our alarm remote in my pocket. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, you know, like last week or two weeks ago, our, um, our dustbin, our municipal bin got stolen from the street, you know, and like late one Monday morning or early, early one Monday morning. And I mean, it's the biggest story in Benson's life at the moment, you know, which is like, you know, not saying anything. He, but, and, and he then start wants to know what happened to the bad person that stole the dustbin, oh, you God. know, and, and I have to tell him, I mean, we've been, we've been talking about the concepts of jail and what, what, the difference between a naughty person and a very bad person you know and mm. like he's three years old you know <laughs> and like so and you kind of just, just like kid you don't even I know, know. <laughs> you but don't even at the know. same time I kind of feel like how do I not tell him obviously in a gentle way like you know share with him you know some kind of a realness or reality you yeah. know like but 
I think just, I think based on every one of us um, this week who have kids that are sort of of talking age and con- can comprehend, we've all had to have some kind of a conversation or wrap our minds around having I'm that thinking. conversation with our kids. So, okay, I, I need to wrap up here, Jen, unfortunately, sure. but I um, – I want to come away with something, and that's where, where to from here. I mean, I've, I I wanted to maybe chat about safety precautions and and the Namola oh. app that's doing the rounds, and the but that's just sure. more f- fear mongering. And well, and this is the thing. I mean, like, do we really want to walk around with pepper spray all the time? And do we really? We don't need that. We need change. And yeah. my feeling is that what needs to happen here, and what needs to um, is that we we have to. Put, like consistently keep this fire that has been ignited in the last this past couple of days. Like we have to keep it burning, and and that means reposting the memes. It means sharing the memes with our husbands on WhatsApp. You know, it means educating our men in you know the, those closest to us, our, our our husbands, our partners, our boyfriends, our children as well. What it means to be a woman in South Africa today, and what it means to have male privilege, you know, and, and, and that, you know, it's all about information and education. And the more we do it, the more, that is our response. That's the yeah. only response. We cannot do anything more. You, South African women know everything about safety precautions, man. Like it has, like no, it is drummed. We wrote like the we book, cannot, right? Right. We cannot <laughs> do more, you know, like we do enough of that work, you know, of like worrying about our our families and like where our son is at and like who's taking him from school like you know like the all of it whatever we do all of that you know like dads need and fathers and men they need to be um educated and shown what is okay and what is not okay and that and that is in the nuanced conversations those are in the nuanced details that we were speaking about earlier you know mm-hmm. like you know yeah that dad's whatsapp group you know like You've got to stand up, man. Like mm. when someone, you know, when one of your mates sends you like a gift of like, you know, boobs and I don't know, whatever, you know, like it's just, it's just enough, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Jen, yeah. I can't thank you enough for, oh, for thank helping you, me and guiding this discussion because I was, I, I have been so overwhelmed and I just mm. feel like we're on the same page and I and I, I thank and you also, for your coverage this week. I, it's, thank it's been amazing. You. I mean, Another thing as well, someone said, someone posted a thing is that, you know, like as women as well, we've got to just keep checking in with each other, you yeah, know, like absolutely. and just supporting each other as well. So, mm. so yeah, so thanks for the love and the support and it's been a pleasure. Thanks, yeah. Jen. Thank um, you. We at The Great Equalizer, we see you and we salute you and you're doing an amazing job. As are you guys. Thanks so much, man. I hope you all enjoyed uh, that discussion as much as I did. I've been wanting to chat to Genevieve for the longest time, but unfortunately, it was it was in these circumstances. So I think I think we're going to have to bring her back um, to chat more about um, matrescence and and postpartum life and the relief I I felt at hearing that uh, postpartum life doesn't it. it it doesn't end. <laughs> uh, once you become a mother, you're a mother. And I I know that a lot of you are feeling the same anxiety as, as what I am. And that's why I, I felt it was important 
to have this discussion. That I, I did. I felt the same anxiety this week as I felt um, when I gave birth to Elijah and brought him home. And, um, you know, for, for a good few months until I was medicated, I would drive into my driveway um, alone often because uh, Ray was traveling for a, for a long time. Um, or, I mean, as he always does, you guys know this, um, it's part of his job. And just in, in coming into my driveway, I even after getting our security company to, um, you know, sort of chaperone me into my own house and once I'd waved them off, I'd, every shadow I'd see, I'd be jittery. And I think the sad thing for me is that in any other part of the world or in most other parts of the world, that anxiety is kind of unfounded. It's um, it's not realistic. It's and and that's where a lot of anxiety is born. It's it's born in this just um, this irrational fear. And what pissed me off this week was realizing that my fear is not irrational. It's completely rational. And I've, I felt that fear all over again, seeing um, movements in the shadows and double checking, triple checking my alarm at home and um, wondering if this is the right space for my family. It just made me super angry. So I don't like to stay angry, but I feel like we should keep talking. Um, listeners, we always say, uh, if you want to chat with us, weigh in on something, swear, rant, cry or laugh, DM us a voice note on, Insta- in, on Instagram. We are at The Great Equalizer Podcast. Record one on your phone. Email us. We are thegreatequalizer.za at gmail.com. And um, yeah, I didn't even give a bombing at momming or bad mom moment. I think all of us this week are hashtag bombing at momming. But if you want some comic relief and, and you want to share with us your bombing at momming or bad mom moment this week, please, I think all of us could use um, a bit of a giggle, I think. Um, your support, as always, is just super important to us. I've never had as much engagement and, and people communicating with me on our Instagram platform as I have this week. Um, I can't wait to share everything um, that you guys shared with me with Charlene. Uh, we do. We count. Every like, love, comment, and share it just you guys, um, our listeners, mean the world to us. So please don't forget to review us on Apple Podcasts or rate us on Facebook. We don't say this every week for nothing. Um, it's just, you know, podcast listenership in this country is not, um, you know, sort of very popular right now. And we're hoping to change that. We we love the medium and that's why we're on it. So hit that subscribe button and get listening and tell your friends. Uh, the more we're seeing, the better this podcast will do and the better we'll do for you. We just want to be available, guys, for you guys. Uh, join us again next week. We are going uh, to go back to our usual programming. We took uh, we took a break. I have pre-recorded something with Charlene that was meant to go out this week, as I mentioned. Um, we'll be chatting to parenting expert Nikki Bush. Quite appropriately, what we'll be chatting about is future-proofing your child. <laughs> uh, so, guys, that's it for this week. Until next time, keep your mom game strong.
For more on today's show, please head on over to our website at www.thegreatequalizerza.com or catch us on Instagram at The Great Equalizer Podcast or on Facebook. Want something a little more personal? Email us at thegreatequalizer.za at gmail.com and we promise we'll get back to you.